Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. The blanket is warmth made manifest. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> it makes sense to them. I'm going to assume that's, that's <laughs> referencing something that has to be. I actually told you about it, like, not all that long ago. Wow, I feel bad. Oh. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Oh. <laughs> the light bulb it has turned on. The dawning <laughs> has happened. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. All right. Today we'll be discussing While You Were Creeping by Poppy Reese. In the town of Tinsel on Dornai, Holly is struggling to put her ex behind her when she is gifted with a present that happens to be an interdimensional prison containing a Krampus-looking fellow by the name of Kai. When Holly and Kai are face-to-face, she freaks, and he calls her a witch. But, bound together by circumstance, they make promises to one another. He will participate in the holiday festivities as her boyfriend, and she will find a way to release him from his prison by New Year's before he has to disappear back into his prison. But what will happen when the clock strikes midnight? There will be spoilers beyond this point. Well, Erica, want to talk about Holly first? Yeah, okay. Like so many of our heroines, Holly has issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I'll explain the culture a little bit first. So we get a little bit of background here. There we go. That's a good start. I should have asked about that first. As soon as I asked about Holly, I was like, oh, I should have her explain the planet and everything first. Oops. That's all right. But I already said it, so. (laughs) Again, we haven't recorded in like three weeks. Just a few weeks. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know. It has. Nano. (laughs) Yeah. Nano happens. (laughs) So like shit happens. (laughs) (laughs) i'm just thinking about what i wrote yes yeah both are true (laughs) both can exist at the same time Mm -hmm. they're not mutually exclusive nope all right (laughs) so this is a sci-fi romance story it takes place on a planet called dornai holly lives in the town of tinsel which is like a wintry sort of town and they're known for their winter solstice celebrations, especially their Christmas celebrations. They've kind of modeled this town after, you know, charming little earth towns, whatever that is. Think snow globe, but larger. (laughs) You know, that's actually, yeah, that's, that's a really good, that's a good description. Yeah. Yay. Gummy. And one of the things about Tinsel is that they are, like, they live in family homes, like multi-generational homes. And so Holly, even though she's, I think she's in her 20s um, and everything, but and she has a job, she's fully-fledged adult and everything, but she still lives at home. She has, like, her apartment. It's almost like they have, like, a compound. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes it sound bad, but it's not bad. It sounds like it's really nice. Yeah, it sounds cozy. I don't know what you would call that, like, to make it sound nice instead of a compound. I don't know. Give me a minute. Let me think. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Google, what's a synonym for compound? Sorry, I don't have any information about that, but I found something related. (laughs) 
Do you want to know what is the synonym and antonym of compound? No, you're disappointing. Oh, what can I do for you? Nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Sorry, I'm still learning. You're going to make the little voice in the Google thing so sad. <laughs> She's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes I've told her she sucks. <laughs> She'll say, oh, to leave feedback, you can go here. <laughs> she is not phased. I do appreciate that. Is that is like the most diplomatic response ever. I have to admit, I've stolen from that, like in my personal life. When being Alexa <laughs> at your job. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback. Appreciate you. <laughs> so, okay, I have some compound alternatives. Okay. We have blend, although that's not right. No. It lacks the structural cubicle. That sounds worse. <laughs> Hut? <sighs> House? <laughs> Cloister? Is that better or worse? Okay, so what I'm envisioning for Holly's house is that it's like this giant mansion that's had wings built onto wings and wings and wings, right? And it's just huge and has grown over generations. And within this structure, there are apartments for people. You know what it reminded me of was like in like Japanese anime, like where they have the big mansion families i'm just throwing words together like they'll be like little separate apartments or whatever for everyone yeah something like that where it's cozy and nice not like culty <laughs> oh no <laughs> how did we get there because <laughs> compound okay well we're, we're gonna move on from the housing situation because <laughs> it really doesn't matter <laughs> let's let's just say you know she lives in a multi-generational home environment true with a lot of extended family and interconnected dwellings there we go moving on when the story begins holly is at her therapist's office discussing her many issues therapy for everyone yeah and she's doing a good job you know she's taking care of herself and that's good yay holly she used to really love celebrating the winter holidays, especially Christmas. Like, that was one of her favorite things. Until her ex-boyfriend, George, um, was caught cheating and dumped her. She just can't seem to let go of this thing with George. I'm not sure why she keeps doing this, but she's, like, stalking his socials and keeping tabs on him and just following his perfect relationship with his new... Significant other who happens to be her cousin. Yeah, she seems a bit overly attached to him. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm really not sure why. I think maybe she like romanticized the whole thing in her head and had like this idea of what her life was going to look like. And when the breakup happened, it just kind of threw her for a loop. And she's working on grieving that future, maybe? Maybe. Another one of her issues is that she has this anxiety and this is kind of tied into George as well. Probably the cheating kind of triggered this or exacerbated this. But one of the things she does when she's really anxious is flush toilets, all the toilets, every toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you, like, 
When I first read this, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's great. Good, good job, author, trying to be funny. But then later, there's this scene that's both heartbreaking and hilarious where she flushes every single toilet in a public bathroom. And it's just like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, Holly, I'm sorry. Yes, I have new appreciation for your struggles. <laughs> I saw I laughed before. I'm not laughing now. No. I feel for you. <laughs> so Holly, Holly is a school teacher. And one of the holiday traditions each year is that this elf-like race of aliens will come and bring gifts into the classrooms for the children. And Holly, ever since she broke up with George three years ago, has not been able to handle the elves coming into her classroom. And so she makes the kids go outside and get their gifts. She's discussing all these things with Dr. Molina Dr. Molina suggests that she tries saying yes this week to <laughs> things that she would usually say no to. All the things. <laughs> In the spirit of self-improvement, Holly says yes to this. <laughs> With difficulty, but she does it. One of the other holiday... There are a lot of holiday traditions in this book. One of the other other holiday traditions is the Evergreen Queen... I guess it's a contest, maybe? But every year, a new evergreen queen is selected and they sign a contract for 20 years that they will participate in running all the different traditions and events and everything in the town. Holly is a past year's evergreen evergreen queen. I can't talk. I believe in you. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't sound very convincing. I'm sorry. One of the events she's in charge of planning is the Kringle Parade. And one of the things that happens at the Kringle Parade is each evergreen queen has a Krampus. (laughs) (laughs) And the Krampus is a friendly version of the story and just kind of playfully swats ladies' behinds with his bundle of sticks and flirts with people. And he's playfully evil. Not actually (laughs) demonic. When Holly is at work at school, she learns that her Krampus this year has bailed on her. The way she learns this is that George, who also happens to be her boss, in addition to her ex, comes into her classroom and tells her he's willing to stand in as a Krampus replacement for her if she can't find one. And she's just like, um, no, I'll figure it out. (laughs) anyway okay this whole thing with george offering to be krampus and then later we find out that george's significant other perry is the one who pushed him to offer to be her replacement krampus and it almost feels like perry caused holly's previous krampus to bail on her yeah like nothing comes of this (laughs) yeah i want to know what perry's endgame was Harry confuses me a little bit. I think I needed more. Maybe if that had resolved differently, I wouldn't feel like I'd have these lingering questions. Perry is Holly's cousin and she is like the quintessential mean girl. She's just beautiful and sweet and popular and nice to your face and stab stab behind your back. And Perry and George recently got engaged, which was something Holly was hoping to happen when she was with George and never did. And... That's just like another little knife twisty in her wounds. That day is also the day the elves are supposed to come into the classroom. 
And Holly decides to be nice and let the elves come in and give the gifts to her students in person. In the classroom, her students are super jazzed about it. Holly is surprised when one of the elves comes up to her and gives her a gift. She tries to refuse it and the elf is like, no, I can't go back with gifts. I have to give them. And so Holly feels guilty, so she takes it. But she has no idea like why she would get a gift. And when she opens it, it's just a huge, like a heavy glass cube paperweight type object. She's like, okay, great. Why? Why do I have this? There's a reason, but that gets revealed later. Well, we learn very quickly because that evening she's back at home in her apartment and Kai materializes out of the paperweight. (laughs) Holly sees him and thinks that he somehow broke into her quarters and is freaking out. For good reason. (laughs) Yeah. Kai is a large Krampus looking alien. He's hairy. He's got horns. He's got red eyes, I think, and fangs. And yeah, he's kind of kind of monstrous looking, I guess. But also like muscular. And even at this point where Holly's thinking he broke into her house, I think she kind of finds him hot. Did you get that impression? Like there was that chemistry, the physical chemistry, like yeah, immediately. I, I kind of was like, okay, romance. Because otherwise, I mean, that level of scared, you're not like, dude's built. No, it's more like, oh my God, his muscles are going to kill me. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, hot, muscular, hairy, fanged alien man. And, and in her culture, like, there are alien variations, so... Yeah, I mean, interspecies relationships are a thing, even, and there are aliens. It's not like she's surprised by aliens in general. Just, she's surprised by this particular alien because he's in her house yeah, and invited. fair enough. <laughs> okay, I don't know about you, but whenever I read one of these books where the alien guy is, like, super monstrous looking and looks like some sort of hairy beast man, I just get flashbacks to like the 80s tv show like beauty and the beast and i'm just thinking to myself like how like why how is that hot I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but the author does a good job really by not playing up like the monstrous bits and playing up the less monstrous like more like universally attractive bits like muscles and tallness and gentleness yeah and <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that sort of thing? Because I mean, we want our hero to be hot, yeah, right? I, it's it's not that. I think I think sometimes it's just sometimes for a scene to feel real, you have to prioritize different things. It, it's sort of like that you can get to the hotness later, or <laughs> I don't know. Like the, it happens sometimes with with some romances I've I've read or read listened. Where it's not necessarily that the love interest is super attractive, but like over a, over time, they become more, I shouldn't say they become more attractive, but they do. But like, it's less about a physical quality or it's the kind of thing like one character would be like, oh, this physical feature about myself, I really don't like, but their love interest doesn't see it or doesn't regard it in the same way or... I don't necessarily think I, it's done all the time in romance. It's like they have to really quickly establish like, no, no, this, this person is hot because of these reasons. It's like the, the hotness can come later. 
or be made apparent later. And I think that's maybe that's tied in with when you're describing a character to a reader, you kind of want to do some amount of physical description, especially if it's relevant, which with romance hotness usually is relevant. You want to do that sooner rather than later. Because, I mean, we've we've all read stories like this where the physical description of a character will come way later in the story, and by then you've already decided that they look a certain way. <laughs> so then when, the, when yeah. the writer says, oh, by the way, they have this physical feature, and you're like, no, they don't. Why are you telling me this? They, that's, <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> that is categorically not true, because that's not what's in my head. Um, so you either disregard it or... You know, it's your head, your business, but. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, though, about it coming later. Part of the reason I think the chemistry is so instant in the story is because it is more of a novella length that's true. story. And so you have less room to develop that sort of thing. However, I think playing up the monstrousness in this moment may have been better and then have her slowly realize that, oh, maybe he's not as monstrous as he first appeared. Yeah. And some of it can be too, like, I think, like a foreignness to, you know, the appearance where it's like, it's not something you're used to, because it's not something that humans look like. Yeah. Once you get used to it, you realize, oh, actually, I appreciate that this is different from humans. Anyway, we're going to talk about Kai now. Kai is an alien. He has been imprisoned for hundreds and hundreds of years. Which I imagine sucks. Every winter in December, he is released from his prison into the physical realm until New Year's. So he's out for a month. And his prison has been handed down over the years through a family line of witches. And so he immediately thinks Holly is a witch. <laughs> because those are the only people who've had his prison. And all witches have glowing green eyes, and Holly has green eyes, even though they're not glowing. And Kai, understandably, comes out of his prison pissed <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> Why this is a thing where he gets released? Is this like a torture thing? Maybe a torture thing? Maybe because of the magic or whatever? Like, he has to be released once a year so that he can, like, go to the bathroom and stuff? Like... <laughs> Certain things can only be deferred for so long. <laughs> he needs his shit break. Basically. Oh, goodness. But okay, Holly is freaking out, understandably, because she thinks this alien has broken into her home. Kai is mad because he thinks Holly is the next witch in a long line of witches who have kept him imprisoned. Yes. She really has no idea what he's talking about <laughs> because she's not a witch and she just received this gift that day and is like, look, I'm sorry. I did not sign up for this. <laughs> like, this is not... Return to sender. <laughs> not something. And I think she ends up like making him go back into his prison. Like she tells him he needs to go away and he does. It somehow allows her to do that. I don't know why. Maybe because she released him? I forget why. I don't think it's really explained. It's like he can go back in, but he's able to come out during this period of time. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Because she's not a witch, spoiler alert, so she doesn't have any 
magical abilities that we know of. I don't think it has anything to do with Holly at all. I think it's just he went back because he realized he was freaking yeah, her out. Because the witch does get revealed. We learn that Kai is tethered to his prison. So anywhere the cube goes, Kai goes. And for some reason, Holly brings the cube to school with her the next day. And before school starts, he materializes in her classroom. They're kind of arguing, I guess, kind of, because he's still trying to figure her out. Is this some new mind game <laughs> that the switch is playing on me? You know, and she's still like extremely weirded out that there's a dude in this cube. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I How? feel like that was a toy in the 90s or 80s. Dude in cube. <laughs> dude in a cube. <laughs> Cube boyfriend. Oh my god, that so would have been a toy. <laughs> I wouldn't say every little girl because that's not true, but so many little girls would have been like, yes, I want boyfriend in a cube. Or dude in a cube. <laughs> dude in a cube. You gotta say dude in a cube because they both have the ooh sound, you know? <laughs> Got the slant rhyme going on. Uh. While they're talking... George comes into the classroom and sees Kai and he's just kind of like disappointed because it looks like Holly found a different Krampus and Kai goes along with it. Holly's like, oh yeah, uh-huh. He's my new Krampus. Yep, sure is. This is not a lie. And Kai's like, uh-huh, <laughs> I sure am. Because mm -hmm. I hate you, George. I have just <laughs> met you, but I hate you. <laughs> He is not of the jungle. He is of Cheatersville. Oh, yeah, that was a good movie. <laughs> Fit, hot, Brendan Fraser in a loincloth. Yes, ma'am. That's the right kind of George. <laughs> Anyways, Holly tells Kai, okay, you gotta go back in your box now, dude, because I have class. Dude, back in your cube. <laughs> I've got to leave this alone, but I can't. I just want to keep playing with it. After school, Holly takes a transport to an evergreen queen meeting i cannot say evergreen queen meeting i believe in you still <laughs> uh to discuss the winter celebration planning kai materializes in the transport and they start talking and they learn a little bit more about each other holly at this point is kind of like her brain is just going with it she's all yeah he could totally be my replacement krampus this will be great and she's like talking to him like trying to bring up this plan while they're chatting she mentions one of the perks of being the evergreen queen is that she gets free hot chocolate at this awesome place for the rest of her life mm. they stop and have a hot chocolate like she's <laughs> like yes you must have one of these hot chocolates kai <laughs> While there, I think they run into Perry. Perry seems disappointed that George isn't going to be Holly's replacement Krampus. So it really fucking feels like Perry has some sort of nefarious reason for all this to go down. Like the Krampus situation, but no, it nothing comes yeah, of it. Because otherwise, I'm I'm still I'm still salty about it. Yeah, or is, is it just because she wanted to twist the knife in Holly's back? Maybe. I don't know. It just seems so odd. Or is it like a controlling thing? Like Perry just wants to control the event? Control? Maybe she's just like, she wants to look good. Like, oh, see, Holly, we're all friends again. It feels like she has some plot, but she doesn't. Yeah. 
Or if she does, we never learn what it is. After the hot chocolate, Holly officially asks Kai to be both her replacement Krampus and also her date to George's wedding, which is on New Year's Eve. Because family. Because otherwise Holly would not. (laughs) Yeah, this is a big deal for Holly because she is invited because Perry's her cousin. It just seems weird, you know, and it's apparent to everyone who sees Holly around George and or Perry that Holly has not moved on from this relationship. And so people just feel bad for her. I don't blame her for wanting to avoid that. (laughs) Kai agrees, but he's starting to think, you know, well, if she was asking me for things, then maybe I can ask her for things. And so he says, well, in return, since you're asking for two things... I want two things. I want you to find out how to free me. (laughs) And I want to be allowed to stay outside of the cube the rest of the time that I'm allowed to. Freedom. And Holly agrees, of course. Once they get to the evergreen queen meeting, (laughs) Holly leaves Kaya in the transport. She goes inside. During the meeting, she's really distracted because she's starting to dwell on this physical chemistry that she's feeling with Kai. Like, she doesn't mind the fact that, oh, he might be my pretend boyfriend and maybe we'll have to pretend to touch around people and that might be pretend good. (laughs) So many times in romances, they're like, oh, yeah, be my pretend boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, wait, there's touching. (laughs) Like Sometimes they don't think about that. Yeah, it's a trope. It's one of those fun little awkward tropes because you get like the little things where it's like, oh, we have to practice being comfortable with each other. That's true. And is it real or is it fake? Who's to know? Yeah, I dislike that part. I like the (laughs) awkwardness of, oh, yes, see, we're pretend kissing now. It's great. I'm just saying it it makes like a a vehicle for for that to happen. The questioning and the doubt. Yes, the conflict. I'm so conflicted. After the meeting, Holly has to take a restroom break. And while she's in the public restroom, she overhears two of the other queens gossiping about her. And this is where we get that scene because she comes out of her bathroom stall and the other two ladies are like, oh, oh, you heard us, huh? And (laughs) they leave. And then Holly just, like, sadly flushes every toilet. Yeah, she's got to flush that man right out of her hair. (laughs) It's so sad and hilarious. Like, I do recall, like, being pleased that Holly, like, went out and be like, yeah, yeah, I heard you. Like, she doesn't continue to hide. Yeah. She tries to confront, but then, of course, then there's still the, I still have issues. Yeah, there's still the fallout from it. I mean... Like, if you overhear people gossiping about you, you can confront them all you like, but that doesn't take the feelings away. No, I think it was really well handled, (laughs) that scene. Yeah. I thought it was a really good scene. It was a nice juxtaposition between sad and, like, absurd. (laughs) And she even realizes how it's absurd. Like, she has this compulsion and she's like, (laughs) why? But she still does it. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a compulsion. Yeah. (laughs) When she gets back to the transport, she's just kind of bummed out and quiet and just ignores Kai. And Kai is just like, WTF? (laughs) Like, what is going on? This is completely different. The next morning, they have another conversation. Kai is just in this place of WTF. (laughs) 
why am I here now with Holly instead of with the last witch who owned my prison? Because that last witch wasn't old. It's not like she died, probably. Or maybe she did in its mysterious circumstances. Holly admits that she's not a witch, which... Which witch? (laughs) (laughs) She... Holly admits she really has no idea how to free him, but she will do her best to try to find out how, and if she's able to, she will. Which is fair enough. And he's like, oh, okay, well, in that case, you need to let me decorate your quarters for the holidays. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) And he's like, super into it, and Holly used to be super into it, and she has all these decorations in boxes, and... Her family's been pressuring her to decorate her quarters this whole time. And she's like, no, I don't want to. Look, I already decorated. I put up one ornament. (laughs) Woohoo! I did the thing. Which I relate. (laughs) I relate hard to this. I'm like, yeah, look, I care. I put the wreath on the door. Uh Uh-huh. Effort made. (laughs) Gold star achieved. Holly agrees, okay, fine, you can decorate my room, but then you actually have to pretend to be my boyfriend all month long, not just at New Year's at the wedding. And Kai's like, okay, but in that case, we'll have to make it look real. Ah! (laughs) You know, that means you can't jump and run away when I try to touch you or stand next to you. You say I can't, and yet I can. Holly orders clothing for Kai. They make plans to pick it up later, and then they decorate her home. And then Kai gives her some backstory. He tells her about the feud between his race, which are called the Cramps, and a race of aliens called the Nicolans, which are like a Santa race, which I'm trying to picture Santa aliens. Like, do they all look like Santa? Maybe? I'm intrigued. Yeah. (laughs) I am extremely intrigued by the Nicolans. Like, what the fuck do they look like? I love that name, the Nicolans. And then the Nicolans are served by a race of Elvshkin, which are the elf-like aliens from earlier in the story. Which I also dig. (laughs) So we kind of have like this whole, yeah, see, Christmas stories are real, sort of, only they're aliens. I'm here for it. It all makes sense now. And honestly, I mean, it makes a lot more sense for santa to be able to deliver presents all around the world if it's all conducted by multiple beings from a race of santas <laughs> like it's a santa army that descends upon the planet <laughs> the aliens have been here the whole time <laughs> i picture this giant alien spacecraft and then out of it come like these little like space shuttles only they're like sleighs Okay. You got the Nicolins delivering presents around the world. I want a little more of this backstory, to be honest, but we don't get much of it. Of course, isn't this a series? Maybe it's discussed more thoroughly later. Yeah, so I've read a couple books in this series, like the Dornai, or no, it's Women of Dornai, Mm -hmm. or something like that. And it seems like they're stories that take place on this planet, but it's not necessarily as interconnected as some other series can be. Again, I haven't read all of the books. I've only read like the first two plus this one. Okay, at this point, they're done decorating. Kai's clothes are ready to pick up. 
So they go to the store and get them. He kind of puts on like a mini fashion show because he gets dressed up in the store. And Holly's at this point like, wow, he's actually hot. He looks good in clothes. (laughs) Perhaps he would look good out of clothes. Well, we already established that he looks good out of clothes. This is true. He's been mostly naked up to this point. I think he has like a pair of tattered pants on or something. I don't think that registered with me, but okay. Yeah, at the very beginning, he's naked. And she is like, can you put some clothes on? And then the next time he materializes out of his cube, he's wearing like these tattered pants. (laughs) So when he materialized, I forget, was he like in the middle of something or did he just walk around the cube naked? Like, I'm here by myself. It's naked time. He just doesn't wear clothes. Um, He has fur. Uh, that's true. Naked time all the time. Thank you, fur. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> While they're out, Holly also buys some flowers and brandy for Kai to give to her parents because she has this whole plan that she's going to introduce him that night at the family dinner as her boyfriend. This won't be awkward at all. Kai is a little concerned about this. He's all, well, what's going to happen like after New Year's and I'm no longer around because I'm either back in my cube or gone because you freed me. And she's like, it's fine. I'll just pretend you broke up with me and be sad for a while. It's like, okay. It's really depressing. Yet realistic. Oh, and then we learn a little bit about some of the family drama because Holly's favorite aunt, Greta, is also Perry's mom. (laughs) While Perry ended up completely stabbing Holly in the back and everything, Greta has still maintained her aunt- niece relationship with holly and she's almost like a second mom to her i think see i wonder if that's why perry acts some of the way that she does is because jealousy i think there's a point in the story where greta says something like how perry is more like her father than like her side of the family maybe her father's side of the family is all assholes (laughs) which (laughs) honestly doesn't speak well for greta's choice in in men well and there's always like oh i didn't give you that trait Your other parent did that sort of thing. I did really like the relationship between Greta and Holly, though. I I think that the author did a pretty good job of explaining how they were able to maintain that relationship, even through Perry's betrayal. Yeah. And I like, too, that there is emphasis placed on the whole fact that Perry had a part in the whole thing. Instead of just Holly being, like, mad at George, she's also has a strange relationship with her cousin and I don't know like the blame is shared by the two people who wronged her as it should be so they show up at the house and Kai has his flowers and brandy to give to Holly's parents they're suitably impressed Holly's family grills them about how they met and wants more info about Kai Holly hates this but she decides she's just gonna get drunk and deal with it later good plan I reject your reality and grab the wine. (laughs) Yeah, you know, why not? Uh, Kai actually handles the whole thing really well. He hits it off with the family. They don't really seem to suspect anything. When dinner's over, they go back to her apartment and there's like this makeout session. It gets kind of hot and heavy. And then Kai's like, oh, wait, you know what? You're super drunk. We can't do this. And so he leaves the room. Yay. Consent. Yay. In the morning, Kai tries to bring up what happened, you know, the drunken makeout session and discuss it like an adult. And Holly's just like, or we could just pretend it didn't happen and, you know, not talk about it ever, ever, ever. We could do that instead. And Kai's like, okay, then 
A week passes and Kaya has been continuing to decorate her quarters. Holly is stressing about the Kringle Parade. She's been in charge of coordinating it for the past eight years. And she's also kind of stressing because she's developing feelings for Kai. He's being an awesome fake boyfriend whenever they're with her family. But when they're alone together, he just leaves her alone and gives her space. And it's kind of messing her up in her head. Like she doesn't know what to believe. Is it real? Is it fake? And it must be fake. And honestly, I just kind of suspect that Kai's just taking cues from her. He's like, well, she didn't want to talk about the makeout session. So I'm just going to leave her alone and let her do her thing. Like she's got <laughs> issues, man. Distance. Me. <laughs> and then there's the parade. It goes really well. After the parade, they dance and they kiss. We get Yay. our kiss. Sober kiss. Two days later, Holly finds out the parade got major press coverage. This is super exciting. Meanwhile, she realizes, you know what? I need to hurry up and figure out how to free Kai like I promised him I would. And so she womans up and calls George to get the contact info for the elves. And then she calls the elves, but they have no record of a gift being given to her. And so she's like, well, what else can I do? And the representative she's talking to runs through the names of the elves who had come to the school. And Holly remembers one of those names and says, oh, that's the one. That's the one that gave me the gift. And the rep is like, okay, well, that one isn't here right now, but I'll leave a message for them. And then they just (laughs) hang up on her like, okay, bye now. And then... Kai and Holly have the sex and it is good and things start to feel more real and more days go by and they go to Christmas events together and have all the sex and it's wonderful. It feels less like a fake relationship and more real. Finally, the elf calls Holly but has a bad connection and they don't get to talk. Finally, Holly asks Kai why he was (laughs) imprisoned. Kind of might be important. Yeah, this whole time she's been afraid to ask him, like, what if he's a serial killer and I agreed to free him? Yes. Kai tells her the story of why he was imprisoned. He had gotten drunk one night and accidentally started a fire. A young woman named Neoma, who was a witch, who was his friend, used her magic to rescue him. But because she was too young to use the amount of power that she used... It made her catatonic and she never recovered from that. And because of the damage that Naoma incurred from rescuing Kai, Naoma's mother demanded justice for her daughter. And as a result, Kai has been imprisoned in this cube and passed down through this family of witches. What did you think of that reason? It seems really fucked up to keep him in prison for that long. That's extreme. No, I agree. Like never ending prison, apparently. I was satisfied with accidental house fire friend harmed as a result of trying to save him. Like I was satisfied with with that explanation. And it makes sense. Like, of course, a mother is going to be completely upset that something horrible happened to their child and ergo look for 
blame, justice, etc. from Kai. It makes sense. Yeah, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't have any penalty. No. I think he probably should. But time has been served. But centuries in prison? Yeah. Intent has to be taken into consideration. He did not intentionally start the fire. He did not intentionally see that she was catatonic. Yeah, I get the impression, like, if Kai had been able to, he would have traded places with yeah. her. Like, he didn't ask her to do that. I mean, he appreciated it, but he didn't ask her to do it, didn't expect it. It's a tough thing to probably write about because he's been in prison for so long and he's not even sure how old he is now and he hasn't experienced time the same way others have i guess my question would be would he feel more or less detached from the events that got him imprisoned because if he's not experiencing time in the same way would it be like it happened yesterday so to speak yeah i think that's why he was so angry when he first came out he'd had all this time to dwell on everything i guess where i'm coming from too is just the remorse aspect of his friend being made catatonic like would that also be like a fresh wound okay let's think about this so let's Uh say he's been passed down for like let's let's call it 500 years and so he's experienced five months of real time and this is just an estimate i don't think it's in the text exactly how long he's been passed down it could be longer Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's completely theoretical. I'm just curious. What are your thoughts? I think if some approximation of that five months was, again, the time thing is weird. Like, And we don't really know how aware he is when he's in the prison. Yeah, I, I guess that's my other question, too, is like, is he experiencing all of that year from each time he's out does he have a sense of feeling that year that would make more sense to me if he was like in a sleep state when he's in there versus just chilling it seemed like he was kind of in a stasis i guess it just depends on how good of friends they were but even then i would still think he'd feel some level of remorse after five months especially since he doesn't have anything else other than his own thoughts yeah but then you also have to compare like okay so yeah maybe he does feel remorse and sadness over neoma but he also has outlived his entire family yeah he also has lost everything he's ever known and is basically a plaything for generation after generation of this witch family. Yeah, I guess that's true too. Like, what about his feelings about out- outliving all of his family? Yeah, it's a really fucked up punishment. Yeah. Like, it is worse than what happened to Neoma. I mean, it's hard to compare things, but yeah, it does seem worse. <laughs> so much for the so much for the happy little romance. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but Neoma's situation was finite. She was in a catatonic state and eventually died. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's been imprisoned for. Centuries. Yeah, well beyond her lifespan and his own. Yeah, it's too much. It's like those sentences where people are sentenced to like 300 years of... It's like, uh, what? Human lifespan is on average not 300 years or anywhere close to that. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is, is in his situation, though, something like that would seem more reasonable. Yeah. They basically are torturing him. Yeah. Because every, every year he gets to come out... Or no, 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 I did my math wrong. Oh my God. I bet we have listeners like screaming at us right now because it's every year, not every hundred years. So he's had a month every year for centuries. Okay. So like 500 months. Okay. But still, I would think that 
I mean, especially until Holly gets a hold of him, I can't remember. Like, if when he has been let out previous times, I mean, obviously it's the witches have their objective of you wronged this member of our community. So I wonder, again, it goes back to like, would he internalize any level of guilt? Or would it just be like, screw you, that wasn't my fault? Or not my fault to the degree that I'm getting punished? I think at this point he feels righteous anger. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I paid. I paid the price. Let me go. Release thy clutches. I'm sorry, but I can't fix it. And it happened ages ago. Please let me go. Yeah. It is a fluffy story and it doesn't delve too deeply into it, like how we're talking about it, but it is like super (laughs) fucked up. Like, we've taken it beyond what. (laughs) what the author probably intended probably maybe i don't know and i understand like i understand a mother being like distraught over your child being injured due to someone's stupidness yes and demanding justice and and wanting it and and everything but wanting it forever and flesh please forever and ever and ever It just, it's, it's too much. Like, it's just too much. I would say, like, he has to live through X number of generations, or he has to live through whatever until this event happens. Something like that. Like, some sort of end date. No, that makes sense. (laughs) It's not justice at this point. It is not. Okay. I'm gonna come out of the weeds. Dragging you with me. Well, I, I'm. I don't need to be dragged. I can. Okay, you're willing, <laughs> willingly coming along. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, join me. It's now Christmas time. Yay! Holly's whole family loves Kai. They're all about him. Holly is starting to like Christmas again, basically because of Kai. Kai has carved Holly a bracelet as a gift for Christmas, which is just amazing and makes Holly really happy. This is very sweet. And then the elf calls again, but can't tell Holly where the cube came from or any other info. She's just like, it was in my bag and I gave it to you. Sorry. Now it's New Year's Eve, which is Kai's last day out of prison until the following year. He and Holly go to George and Perry's wedding. They dance together. They're just kind of sad because Holly hasn't been able to figure out how to free him. They dance. They try to forget that he's leaving. And then they go and hide in a closet and have sex. (laughs) (laughs) And while they're in the closet, utility sex, they overhear Perry and others gossiping about Holly again, which is so fucked up. This is Perry's wedding. Why does she (laughs) care about Holly? I don't know. It makes me really curious. So Holly jumps out of the closet and confronts Perry. (laughs) Ha! Gotcha! And then she runs away and Kai chases her. And as the New Year countdown begins, Kai starts telling Holly that he wants her even though he can't be free. She says finally that she loves him and then it's midnight and Kai disappears. And then a month passes from there and Holly has told her family the truth about Kai. And I think the reason she's told everyone the truth about Kai is because A, she's really fucking depressed. Yeah. And B, she finds out she's pregnant. Yep. Because of course she is. Yep. And then she has her regular therapy appointment. She goes and tells Dr. Molina everything that happened. And it turns out that Dr. Molina is the great, great niece of Neoma and is a (gasps) witch. And she's the one who had inherited Kai, and she wanted to free him, 
but not before helping him because she could tell that Kai had a lot of anger and rage and she felt like if she was going to set him free without him dealing with that stuff, it would be bad. Mm -hmm. Then she met Holly and she thought, oh, they would be good for each other. So she kind of did a little matchmaking thing. That's putting a very happy, smiley face on it. It kind (laughs) of is. I must admit, I was like, oh, wow. Wow, super manipulative. Well, apparently this is how witches are Mm. in this universe. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Melina tells Holly how to set Kai free. And so Holly does the thing and sets him free and then he reappears and that makes the cube break and i think we do get some proof that he's kind of in stasis because for him it's like no no time has passed because he tells her in that moment that he loves her Mm. too and then she tells him that she's pregnant and he's happy of course and then we get an epilogue for the following december she's had a baby boy named jovi and kai and holly's dad open a toy shop together the end This is one of those stories where it's like super fluffy and happy and hilarious, but has some really dark (laughs) shit going on underneath. Which I appreciate. Yeah, I do too. I want more. Like, I want more of like the darkness. That. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, me too. I want that (laughs) with the funny. I want both. I want it all. Yeah, that's that's the tricky thing because romance seems like a genre built around good feels, but often it's like the good feels without the bad, but you need the two to feel balanced a lot of the time. Yeah, there are plenty of, of books in the genre that have a lot of darkness and badness in them, yet they're safe. I'm doing finger quotes here <laughs> to read because you know that the couple is going to be happy in the end. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I like the genre. It's a very good genre when one wants to escape because you can read all sorts of weird, gritty, dark, horrible things, but you have that safety net there knowing, okay, but they're going to get through it. It'll be fine. There will be happiness in the end. And I think you've expressed this before too. And, and I know that other readers probably feel the same if they're not a fan of the genre that with that safety net it lessens the impact of things or it can because you know well they'll survive it'll be fine there's no believable threat good authors are able to still create that threat like i've read stories where you know they'll kill off important side characters or they'll do a really good job of building up you know, additional people in this story. So you care when bad things happen. It's it's safe for that couple, though. I don't know. Like, I'd be interested to see what other people think about that aspect of the genre. Do, do you feel like the fact that there's a guaranteed happy ending takes away from any threat or bad things that might happen during the course of the story? You should tweet us <laughs> and let me know because I want to know. And if I remember and feel brave enough, I'll put it on the Twitter. (laughs) I know. I feel so bad. I haven't been on Twitter very much. You you haven't been on the Twitter? (laughs) Well, I got so so busy and I just did not want distractions because I was trying to finish Nano and yeah. M, are you happy for their happy? I am. I liked Holly and I liked Kai. Holly's freaking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciated the snark. I'm always a fan of the snark. She had good internal dialogue or monologue or whatever. Yeah, and I, I feel like they talked things out. I, I, I am happy for them. I'm happy for them too. I think 
I think their relationship happened really quickly. Yeah. It's one of those pressure cooker type of situations. You know, they have to pack it all into the space of a month. Yeah, there was that other romance that we did. His human assistant. That was another one that was really fast paced. Although that one felt more fast paced. But yeah, where it was just because of the length of the story, you know, snap, snap. I am happy that they're together. I think they'll be happy together. I think that they're still very young in their relationship. I mean, yeah, saying I love you within a month and having a baby immediately is really, really fast. But I don't know, having a baby at the end of the book is kind of tropey for a lot of books. So yeah. eh, I could take or leave the baby, honestly. I guess it kind of, I guess having the baby kind of made it a bigger deal that Kai wasn't there. Yeah. That he had to go back in the cube. If she hadn't have been pregnant, it wouldn't have felt as bad, maybe. Do you think that the order of events, if they had been different, the impact would have been different? Like if she had known she was pregnant before he went back, because I could twist that knife. Of course, I'm terrible. I always want to do horrible things to characters, but... <laughs> They need to suffer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't... Because he's basically in stasis, so it wouldn't really bother him until he wakes back up again. But for her, I think the biggest issue for her is like she's think she's contemplating this life where their baby will hardly know their father and he won't ever get to see them and won't be able to be a part of their major milestones or their life. I am terrible. I'm horrible. I can see the scene in my head of like somehow them finding out before he is put into stasis or back in the cube. And so he has you just see the horrible gut-wrenching twist of his expression where he's just like oh "Oh, and then he's gone so like instead of her confessing her love she's like by the way i'm pregnant and then he disappears i'm terrible (laughs) (laughs) and then she has to live with that expression on his face yeah until until he's able to return (laughs) but this is why i like to write because i'm a horrible person No, you're kind of evil, yeah. You have to be. Okay, so let's rate them. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward transition. (laughs) How do you rate Holly? I put her as awesome and funny. I appreciated her snark. I appreciate that she had a lot to overcome through the course of the story. Yeah, she really did. She had a good journey. She did, you know, and I very much appreciate those horrible moments when Perry decided to be an asshat for some reason, or friends of Perry or whatever. And yet Holly was like, no, no, I'm going to confront them, even though now I have to go flush toilets. She did not let that deter her from being strong. I agree. She she was awesome and funny. Um, I also rated her awesome. I really appreciated her journey. I appreciated that she had a lot of growth. And I liked that this story had a bit of a focus on how love can heal you. Because, I mean, ideally you should be whole and love yourself before you meet your person or whatever. But sometimes you meet someone and they help you be whole. Yeah, totally. And love yourself. And I think that's... That's what Holly needed. She needed that initial kick in the pants that someone else thinks she's worthy, especially after that rejection from George. Yeah, because she took that hard. And I guess also because we don't have as good a sense of how she and George were together and how important that was to her. He didn't just choose anyone to cheat on her with. He kept it in the family, which is just, ugh. He was an asshat. At least it wasn't her sister, but still, ew. How do you rate... Kai. I put he was awesome and kind. So yay. He seemed very compassionate towards her, which was nice. 
I also rated Kai as awesome. I agree that he was really kind. He really did seem to care. And even though he initially came out of the cube angry, he didn't trust her for a good part of the book too. Which is understandable. Because he still thought she was a witch, but he still felt for her pain. And he was like trying to figure out like, what is going on with her? Like, why is she so sad? Yay, emotionally aware character. It's nice when you get a hero that is in tune with feelings and, you know, wants to... (laughs) What? No, it's it's just my inner snark dialogue thing. Feelings, (laughs) not just for females. Well, it's true. Sorry. It shouldn't be. (laughs) But yeah, he was a really good hero. I do wish we had some more about his story. Yeah. I would have liked to go a little bit deeper into the whole punishment thing and the backstory and how he feels about it and his healing journey because it does seem like he gets over everything kind of quickly. Yeah. I do feel like this story easily could have been longer and very enjoyable. I agree. It was very funny. I would have enjoyed more of like a little bit more depth, I think. What about the villains? The villains. Okay, so my villains are obviously Perry and George, who I both gave them the awkward stamp on their foreheads. I just feel like I needed more development there. I'll hate them. That's fine. <laughs> but I need I need more. <laughs> I don't have enough to either understand why they did things the way that they did or dislike them intensely on Holly's behalf. I need more. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be right there going, yes, pitchforks, torches. We're all here for Holly. It's cool. Also the witches. And I'm, I am totally lumping the therapist in with that because shady. (laughs) She's one of them. It was this very like, here, if I help you get better and help you fall in love, then maybe you won't hate me so much (laughs) or my people. And it just, it feels just a wee bit manipulative. And I just didn't like that, especially how it was very in the background and done outside of Holly's purview without her consent or anything. Because she had to know, the the therapist had to know when he came out of that cube, he was not going to be happy. This was not going to be a happy camper. She's just like, here, Holly, (laughs) try not to get murdered. Yeah, well, it's a huge ethical issue as well as Holly's therapist. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, it's and then that that mystery element of it, how this cube came to be in Holly's possession, and and all of that, and the witch witch or who witch or what or whatever. I needed more of that. If that was going to be like a mystery element, it needed to be handled. I think a little bit differently, like more clues, because it was very much like reveal. Ta da. <laughs> because <laughs> i mean i was sitting there just going does she like come from like a family of witches like is this a descendant thing because i kept trying to solve the problem <laughs> like is this perry doing something because i wanted more of a threat from perry and or george i guess perry she was by far the more antagonistic i didn't really put the therapist on the list <laughs> Because she was sort of like in the beginning and then not there. But yeah, that felt a little awkward to me. What about you? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so I I agree with a lot of what you said. I rated George and Perry almost edging toward awful. Like, I just didn't think they were very good villains. There were little threads in the story that could have been made into something bigger, and it just never happened, and I felt a little cheated by that. I wanted more. I don't feel like they really grew as people either. It would have been nice to see, like, maybe George is actually contrite and feels bad for being a shitheel and that Perry maybe stops being such a mean girl and, like, they're just there to add flavor to the story and to give Holly a reason to be sad at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, there was certain points... You know, a little bit later in in the story where it seemed like George was, I don't know if I want to say like trying to get with Holly again necessarily, but there was like some weird vibes that were kind of like that, or maybe I misinterpreted. Yeah, I would have liked more of an explanation as to the whole George being Holly's replacement Krampus thing. And her boss. Whose idea was that? (laughs) And what was the, and what was the motive? We don't know. I mean, I'm suspecting there was some ulterior motive, but maybe it was just a benevolent motive. Maybe it was like they felt bad for her. Yeah. Although it doesn't seem like Perry did, but maybe George did. I don't know. Maybe him feeling genuinely bad for her wanting to help her out brought out Perry's jealousies. But then why was Perry on board with it? I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Because she didn't want to seem like she was as insecure as she was. Oh no, this doesn't bother me. I am so bothered. There's just not enough in the book about them as antagonists or as characters and what is in there just leaves a lot of questions so I didn't really think they were that great I think the witches are also not that great kind of for the same reason they're not really there they just caused Kai's predicament and then we're not there yeah and then Dr. Melina I It's so funny because I don't think the author views Dr. Molina as a villain at all. She's not written that way at all. No. But she kind of has a lot of villainous (laughs) qualities. Like she has this whole behind the scenes machinations. Totally. I'm going to pull the strings and solve the issues. And like she's got like a God complex or something. Which is the only thing that I think if that was there, then yeah, she'd totally be a villain. She's basically benevolent puppet master. I am above you, but I want you to be happy. (laughs) Stop thinking about it then. It's just kind of you. Like the longer I think about it, the worse I feel about it. But as as far as rating her, I kind of have to rate her awful. Like, I just, I didn't like any of the villains in this story. They weren't good. Yeah. <laughs> Satisfying villains are so nice. That feels so weird to say. No, it's true. It would have been better if they hadn't been in there. Yeah. Or, yeah. Handled differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ideally, they would be there yes. and expanded upon. But at this point, why were they there? My brain is not giving me anything to work with. Sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> on that note, how did you rate the book? Well, I was pretty entertained and I I did enjoy it, probably because of the overabundance of snark. Um, although, really, can you yeah. have too much? I don't know. So I gave it a four because I, I really liked Holly's snark and I really liked the dynamic between her and Kai when they were grumpy and then less grumpy with each other. So what about you? How did you rate the book? Well, in spite of my feelings on the villains, <laughs> uh, I actually rated it a four as well. Ooh, yay. 
I really loved it. I thought it was fun. It was sweet. It was funny. Mm -hmm. This is actually the second time I've read this book. I even enjoyed reading it again. You know, I was like, oh, this is still funny. Because sometimes, sometimes I'll read like a book and I'll be like, oh, it's a funny book. And then I'll read it again and go, eh, it was fine. Yeah, some, some stories just don't hold up. Yeah, but it was still funny. Yay! Yeah, the snarky was really fun. I have a couple highlights of some of the funny things. It's kind of like sexy funny. But like there's this point um, in the story where Holly is talking up how Kai is going to be her Krampus and everything. And and Kai's playing along and he... And it says, without skipping a beat, he rumbled, I, I'll have my bundle of branches to swat some naughty ass. Holly's will be mighty red. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think this part is like when she's drunk (laughs) and they're doing the makey out thing and Uh stuff. But (laughs) it says, my ass bumped into him again. Another accident. This time there was something large, hard, and straining against his fitted pants. So I did what any red-blooded woman would do. I accidentally pressed my ass against it once more in a very deliberate manner because I hated him. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, yes, I accidentally. (laughs) Yeah, you so hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopsie. How did that get there? (laughs) So there's there's lots of little funny funny bits in this book. I really enjoyed yeah, it. It was it was fun. Well, did you feel romanced? Oh, that's a tough question. Oh no. I think Yay! so. I liked the healing love type of element in this story. I liked how how sweet Kai turned out to be and yeah, I think so. What about you? I did not. <laughs> but I was very delighted with their love story and charmed by it. <sighs> I did enjoy myself. Oh, wow. So surprising. Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's just kind of a bummer at this point, you know. Yeah, I love the story. I rated it four stars, but I was not ribbit. Well, that's why my... Fuck love. That's why I, I... (laughs) <laughs> I don't base my rating on that. It's how entertained I was. Well, thank goodness. Yeah. No, I know me. <laughs> At this point, if I don't know me. If you based your <laughs> if you based your rating on whether or not you felt romanced, most of these books would be one star. Yeah. It's just <laughs> I, I try to accommodate as best as I can. Because <laughs> I understand I'm a hard sell. Well, what else have you been reading? I don't know if reading is the right word because I haven't finished it. I've more like been flipping around and and checking it out. It's a writer's workbook that the creators of NaNoWriMo have put out and it's called Ready, Set, Novel. So Chris Batty, Lindsey Grant, and Tavia Stewart-Strait have put together, have assembled this, so you think you want to write a novel kind of thing. And it's got... It's got a lot of fun things. Like, it's got a place where you can put a map, like if you're doing a fantasy novel, things to help build your characters. Just in case you also need some downtime, there's some coloring in the back. So you can color in the likenesses of Mary Shelley and Jane Austen. That's fun. To to name a couple. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I got it to help with 
one of my little projects because I need help. So I'm hoping that this will do that. And when when I start working on that project again, I'll see. We'll see if it does. It's got a whole bunch of fun things in it. A lot of it seems to be stemmed around getting to know your characters better. Nice. What about you? What are you reading? I recently finished a book called I Married a Naga by Regina Abel. And this is the second in a series called the Prime Mating Agency series. The books are basically standalones, but they have this recurring agency, like a, well, it's called a mating agency. It's more like a mail order bride type of scenario type of agency, I guess. But in this book, there's our human heroine, Serena, who is a very excellent hunter. She hunts competitively. And this planet, Trangor, has created a new hunt competition. And it's super exclusive because this is one of those planets that, you know, are considered a primitive planet. While they interact with other people in the galaxy and stuff like that, they're not at a spacefaring level. Okay. There are these rules that they can only hunt in specific areas. And it's only this specific creature because they are overpopulated. Oh, okay. It's a huge competition. There's a lot of money at stake. Serena is super excited about it. And she hunts and is kicking ass. And as she goes, she runs across some of the natives of the planet who are Naga. So they have the upper body of a humanoid and then the lower body of like a giant snake. They also look really snake-like up top, like they're scaly and they have like a cobra hood instead of hair and stuff like that. They are also hunting. So there's like this border of like the place where she's not allowed to cross and they're on the other side of the border and they kind of interact. And then as she keeps going, she discovers a family of Naga who are just enjoying themselves like they're bathing. It's females and children and stuff like that. And they're playing in the river or whatever. And they get attacked by... I think multiple of these creatures and Serena crosses the boundary in order to save several of their lives, even though it's a huge, 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 huge no-no to cross this boundary. Uh Uh-oh. Well, of course she gets caught. The penalty is supposed to be death for this, (laughs) like for crossing the boundary. Mm -hmm. But the prime mating agency steps in and they're like, well, we know you don't actually want to kill her because she saved the lives of your people. So we're going to find you a nice little loophole. And if she's actually a citizen of this planet, then it doesn't matter, right? (laughs) And so one of the aliens that she interacted with earlier agrees to marry her to make her a citizen of the planet. And she has to remain for at least six months to make it all legal and everything. And from that point on, it's just basically like a getting to know you type story. And it's just very sweet. I really enjoy these stories. There's three in this series so far, and each one is very different. You have a very different heroine, a very different hero, and a very different culture. Oh. I really like that the 
the author takes so much time to talk about the culture of these aliens. Yeah, There's a lot going on. I don't know. There's just something about that, like the cultural differences and bridging those differences. I mean, that's super fascinating to me. The author does a good job with that. I like that idea. Like the whole very different cultures thing. Yeah. So the first one, <laughs> the first one in the series is I Married a Lizard Man. <laughs> And then the second one is I married a Naga. And the third one is I married a Birdman. And I need more. So Regina, please write more now. <laughs> oh my. Thank okay. you. <laughs> I love the cultural stuff. It's amazing. Okay. So that's it for this time. Check out our website, romancebpodcast.com For our show notes, other episodes, our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon. Spotify, and you can tweet us at RomanceBeCast. So join us next time we discuss Pulling Doubles by Christina C. Jones. Bye! Bye. <laughs> so this year, do you feel like you deserve oranges or branches? <laughs> well, if the spanking is delivered by someone like I, <laughs> and if there's appropriate aftercare, <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, inside Catholic all those good things. <laughs> what about you? Can I have halfsies? Get out of the orange wild. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of what this year has felt like. Have an orange and a whack and an orange. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>